0: talking about the fact that Gita Bord had killed himself that week. Um, uh, and, and uh, Or at least know. he had killed himself that year. I believe it had been relative, it had been recent. And I was very discouraged by this because the, he, this is a man who coined the slogan, the choice is simple, suicide or revolution. The death of God is about the drying up of a horizon of meaning, and of a whole form of human life. Where do we stand in the illusion it makes? What kind of space are we invited into? The material relations between people become social relations between things. When we look at toasters, corn, and TVs, we don't we see... still, to a large extent, live in the interregnum between, between worlds, if you will, or between paradigms. Not many people in the history of the world have faced that. Diet Soap is a sublation media podcast. So, the section I read of Fatal Strategies in preparation for our conversation mm-hmm. was um, on terror. Mm-hmm. And it was of interest to me because it, it seemed to be in conversation, or at least was touching upon similar topics to what the board wrote about in uh, the society of the spectacle um i found what uh Baudrillard said to be um provocative uh, and worthy of consideration um but i, I had agree. some there was a but there but i had some uh, you know slight additions that i would want to make so here's a quote uh, from Baudrillard. It's a hostage is not alive nor dead. It is not his destiny that awaits him, nor his own death, but an anonymous chance, which can only seem to him something absolutely arbitrary. There are no longer even any rules for the game of his life. This is why he is beyond alienation, beyond the terms of alienation and exchange. He is in a state of radical emergency, of virtual extermination. So what do you... What do you make of Baudrillard's uh, explanation of the, of the predicament of the hostage, his uh, approach to the, the problem of terror and terrorism and fatal strategies?
1: I haven't read it very recently i have read it six months ago so we'll have to see what i can dredge up from the back of my head about it i do remember that he talks very interestingly about us being in a hostage that with that the, the situation we're in is that we're hostages uh mm-hmm. and also the situation we're in is that we're endlessly being blackmailed which is part and parcel of being a hostage in, in his world it's not so simple that we're just hostages we're also endlessly being blackmailed and that is how we the state operates towards us.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's how we have imbued this behavior. And we endlessly blackmail each other. That's 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 another thing that T says. We make each other feel bad about things, and that's taken the place of discourse. You you're still a little bit, if I may say so, Doug, old-fashioned. And um uh you know, all, all this stuff is is not only it's not just about surveillance that's done to us by the state but it's about the surveillance i think that's the term that we very, we swallow all that no longer do we do, do we rail against it we we're like yeah great give us some more i'm going to do it to myself i'm going to feast on the surveillance i'm going to survey myself i'm going to survey all my friends certainly if someone for example is a new romantic interest i'm going to be stalking them by any means necessary you know all we want to do all the time is 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 survey and stalk and that's not because something has been done to us, or it's not just because something's been done to us, it's because that thing that's been done to us delights us, it's wonderful. It, it's, yeah, well, good on the state. Look, now if you're being filmed all the time, you can't do the stuff. Don't we all have arguments all the time domestically and wish they could be recorded? Now they can be. Um, we love it. You know, There's nothing we like more than that. And that mm-hmm. makes us in our personal uh, interactions, agents of the state, agents of the blackmailing, hostage taking state that uses, um, very manipulative means to get at us as opposed to the older means which are just simply it's because i say so i'm the boss you're the slave fuck off you know now all that has become hyper really disguised uh into something that looks a lot nicer but is actually a lot worse than that we have the tools to do to do to ourselves um as for what he thinks about Terrorism. He says very problematic things about terrorism. I think it was him and the French designer Paco Raban, who after 9-11 had certain ecstasies about what those terrorists had done. Baudrillard is um, I think I think Paco Raban, the French designer, said this is the greatest work of art. Um, that um, that we, we've we seen in our time. And that was an utterly unacceptable thing to say. And Baudrillard is much more sophisticated than that, and that isn't what he said. But he said, at last a real event has happened. And um, what he says about terrorism, not in Fatal Strategies, actually here I'm thinking about what he says about it in his book, The Perfect Crime. Which can I say, The Perfect Crime is a good place to start with Baudrillard because he wrote it in the mid-90s and it's a kind of greatest hits. It's a very, very well expressed. Little primer on 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 many other books that he wrote in the 70s and the 80s, and I recommend it highly. That's was by chance the first Baudrillard book that I read, and I think I was very lucky to fall into it in that way. In that book, he talks about the revenge of the mirror people. He says that so disgustingly slick is the world that we're sloshing about in. So confused are masters, slaves. So much have we swallowed our own masters and slaves and do the internal work inside us that the state used to do outside of us. Um, And uh, that, but he says it's not enough for us to do that. We need to have what he calls mirror people. We need to be, we need to have reflected back to us you know who, who we are and he says that that because the, because of the technology that we have developed and because it's so alluring and sophisticated the media that we make it reaches out and it goes into the territory of people who are not from western societies and other people within those societies don't want to see portions of those societies being seduced by what uh you know by this many tentacled hydra Um, media that we're all perfecting our tools in, and that causes a large reaction. And he says that the, the role that we give to people who are not of our societies is that they should be mirror people. They should be holding up mirrors for us. To show us how fantastic we are. And he says that we're that terrorism is us living through a time of the revenge of the mirror people. And that if we've up the stakes to, to include and take on all signs in our domain, or even though that's an impossible project that we could never do, we have to be prepared for people to take very radical means indeed to destroy our signs in order to get back at us. And I have to say that when you read his books, although he himself is, as I've said, sophisticated and you know, he, he would never exalt and, and enjoy any form of this terrible and destructive behavior. But he, he says, you are proving my point. That's what he says. He says, you know, if if things are so stitched up in the uh, media, you can only expect a very large other media event to, to come and, and slice through, which is which is which is terrorism. And he says, furthermore, very disturbingly, he says, we actually want this to happen. This is the bit that people find very unacceptable about him. He says, in our hearts in our in, in knowing how sick our, our, our fake society is. We want it to be destroyed and there's a part of us that is joyful and delights um, to see that happen because we feel it must be the fate of it because it's so unreal, it's so carnivalesque, it's so divorced from actual you know, human wants and needs, connections, it's so selfish and narcissistic, we want it to be destroyed.
0: The gruesome search for bodies continued today. Rescue workers did in fact find more bodies. Debord and Baudrillard, On terrorism. This perfect democracy fabricates its own inconceivable enemy, terrorism. It wants actually to be judged by its enemies rather than by its results. The history of terrorism is written by the state and it is thus instructive. The spectating populations must certainly never know everything about terrorism, but they must always know enough to convince them that, compared with terrorism, everything else seems rather acceptable, in any case, more rational and democratic. We've had many global events, from Diana's death to the World Cup, or even violent and real events, from wars to genocides, but not one global symbolic event that is an event not only with global repercussions, but one that questions the very process of globalization. All through the stagnant 90s, there has been a moratorium on events. Well, this moratorium has been called off. We are even facing, with the World Trade Center and New York hits, the absolute event, the mother of events, the pure event, which is the essence of all the events that never happened. One can remark that interpretations of the mysteries of terrorism appear to have introduced a symmetry between contradictory views as if there were two schools of philosophy professing absolutely incompatible metaphysical systems. Some would see terrorism as only several blatant manipulations by the secret services. Others on the contrary estimate that it is only necessary to reproach the terrorists for their total lack of historical understanding. Use of a little historical logic permits us to quite quickly conclude there is nothing contradictory in recognizing that people who lack all historical sense can easily be manipulated, even more easily than others. It is much easier to lead someone to repent when it can be shown that everything he thought he did freely was actually known in advance. It is an inevitable effect of clandestine forms of organization of the military type that it suffices to infiltrate a few people at certain points of the network to make many march and fall. Critique, when evaluating armed struggles, must sometimes analyze one of these particular operations without being led astray by the general resemblance that all will possibly share. We should expect, as a logical possibility, that the state security services intend to use all the advantages they find on the terrain of the spectacle which has exactly been organized with that in mind for some time. On the contrary, it is a difficulty of glimpsing this which is astonishing and does not ring true. All the speeches and commentaries betray a gigantic abrogation to the event itself and to the fascination that it exerts. Moral condemnation and the sacred union against terrorism are equal to the prodigious jubilation engendered by witnessing this global superpower being destroyed better by seeing it more or less self-destroying even suiciding spectacularly though it is this superpower that has through its unbearable power engendered all that violence brewing around the world and therefore this terrorist imagination which unknowingly inhabits us all that we have dreamed of this event that everybody without exception has dreamt of it because everybody must dream of the destruction of any power hegemonic to that degree. This is unacceptable for Western moral conscience, but it is still a fact and one which is justly measured by the pathetic violence of all those discourses which attempt to erase it. It is almost they who did it, but we who wanted it. If one does not take that into account, the event lost all symbolic dimension become a pure accident, an act surely arbitrary, the murderous fantasies of a few fanatics who would need only to be suppressed, but we know very well that this is not so, thus all those delirious counterphobic exorcisms, because evil is there, everywhere, as an obscure object of desire. Without this deep complicity, the event would not have had such repercussions. And without doubt, terrorists know that in their symbolic strategy they can count on this unavowable complicity. Yeah, we should hang out here in this topic for a while because okay, so Mr. Stockhausen says um that uh what did he what was the, the quote directly? He says um the it that the attack on the World Trade Center is, quote, the greatest work of art that is possible in the whole cosmos. This is what Stockhausen says. Stockhausen. What did Paco says,
1: say? I know he said something.
0: Um, well, maybe he did, but but um, this is a composer, Stockhausen. And then he says, yes. we couldn't even dream. Uh, he says, it's something that they, they these people, um, human minds achieved something in one act that we couldn't even dream of in music in which people practice like crazy for 10 years totally fanatically for a concert and then die just imagine he added you have people who are so concentrated on one performance and then 5000 people are dispatched into eternity in a single moment i couldn't do that in comparison with that we're nothing as composers all right so what what is he trying to say here and it doesn't i mean i think it's connected to what you said that Baudrillard claimed that we all want these acts of terror I mean he's coming right out and calling it a work of art so he's expressing uh the what's desirable about the uh, act of terror on 9-11 right I mean we've we're distanced enough from it now maybe we can talk about this without becoming hysterical um why would he would an artist want to say that the attacks of 9-11 were a great work of art and then what does that have to do with the way Baudrillard is rejecting contemporary life.
1: If indeed these attacks were created, let's take the official narrative. So we're dealing with the official narrative here. to do what they did in this official narrative required so much planning and dedication. It is the planning and dedication of truly committed artists. And to an extent, very few people have that today. Even people who are famous, for example, artists, they've got studios of people. Damien Hirst isn't making that kind of stuff. Jeff Koons has got his atelier. The the, the actual dedication, the monk-like devotion, the absolute belief is something that is very rare. We don't see that in our society very much. We, we only see it in terms of someone like Kanye West wanting to become very famous. To see actually a very dedicated artist doing something like this is, is a rare thing. And as a fellow artist, I guess you just saw like, whoa, that's amazing. And then furthermore, to believe in the project so much that you would kill yourself, you know? To believe in the project so very much, and perhaps that's how it used to be for people in revolution. Perhaps that, perhaps this is the only way that we can leech off those sorts of feelings and emotions. Perhaps that, uh, you know, during the Russian Revolution, that is how it was. Of course it is. That's how it was during the French Revolution. That is something that says, so important is this cause that we will die from it. Those are not feelings that are very, connect- you know, there are very few of us, even, even I would say, amongst Marxists who truly have that fervor and that belief that belief that 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 truly says it is worth not just killing ourselves but killing other people also because this pure thought that I have in my head this this work of art that I wish to see enacted in the world matters so much that 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 you know human life comes second. But those are very romantic ideas, aren't they?
0: It's well, not. Too- I'm not sure it is a romantic idea because um, I think that we should remember how terror as a, a, a tactic in war emerged, mm-hmm. and when it emerged and what it was for. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first acts of terrorism that, that spring to mind for me would be the bombing of like the, the firebombing of places like Tokyo and Dresden
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, in World War II. The, 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 the big act of terrorism would be the use of the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It's um, true. uh, There were bombings of civilians in World War I as well. But the the so what's the idea behind specifically targeting not soldiers, but civilians in an act of war and during a time of war? It's not like you initiate the war that way. It's during the war in an effort to win. You bomb civilian targets. You destroy whole cities. Mm-hmm. The aim is. To demoralize. The masses, mm-hmm. and by demoralizing the masses, the government will be weakened into mm-hmm. a position of, of having to, uh, you know, surrender mm-hmm. in order to either to, in an effort to hold on to their power.
1: Mm-hmm. They, they mm-hmm.
0: the war becomes unacceptable yeah, to the it's masses. It's a
1: blackmail. It's a blackmail.
0: Well, it's a it's a kind of blackmail. Um,
1: But those those things are different to what happened in 9-11, aren't they? Because what
0: happened? Yeah, they are. But I mean, right, so what is an act of terrorism outside of the context of a war where you're trying to get get one side to surrender? And I think someone like Stockhausen Mm is thinking there's a potential to spark, to demoralize the public about the present and spark a massive transformation Maybe a revolution could be inspired by this act of terrorism the, the, the power you know the the, um, the there was an anarchist this anarchist approach to terrorism was you know the the uh, uh, t- the revolution of the deed mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but you but
1: again um, there is some people would say that there it, it, it's Ponzi to say it and and so I, I shouldn't really say it, but I will say it some people would say though but we are in a state of war, because if we extend the term, we're in a culture war. And I think certainly, for example, people hardline um, Muslim people living in Asia, for example, would say that we are in a cultural war. They don't like the disgustingness that they see in our culture, its obscenity, its high sexualization, the fact that it will affect the young people in those countries. Those people would very much feel that there is a cultural war that is happening. Here now. And so it's not outside war. I mean, this would, but that that would be to accept Baudrillard's point, which is that signs and signifiers are as important as how much you're earning and who owns the means of production. And when those things are distorted, pushed to extremes, given a paramount role in society, in effect, something is very serious is happening to the populace that isn't the same thing as a, a war where people are getting shot, but it's nevertheless uh, a not natural state and a not normal state. So that's one thing to say. A- a- another thing to say is it's interesting, isn't it? If you look at what happened at 9-11, it is almost a hyper real event. A problem that Baudrillard, for example, had with the Matrix movies, which are supposedly come from his ideas and the Murchowskis mm-hmm. who, who made them, said, um, you know, they, they, they cite Baudrillard as, as their inspiration for these films. His, one of his big problems with the Matrix movies is they do exactly what he doesn't like. They are hyper real. It's not about plot in those movies. It's all about those. What are they called when they do those weird action fighting sequences? There's a technical term for it when they do all that business.
0: Uh, stop motion, I guess. But no, it's, it's, not
1: not, it's, it's something else. It's like
0: bullet time. I think it's called bullet, bullet time. time. Bullet time. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah so when they do bullet time when they do the big set pieces when they're wearing he said so that's all when you invest time in films in special effects and big explosions and beautiful imagery then what you're making are not as he would say authentic films i think he was a big film fanatic and and um but he doesn't like action films because they're hyper real so the matrix movies which are supposedly about his ideas betray all his ideas because they fixate things like bullet time that's what matters there rather than any rather than the the, the plot of it but the, but 9/11 looks like a disaster film. It looks like almost that it is plotted by someone like Baudrillard. You know, if you had said to him how to fight back, well, this might be a way—a very bloodthirsty way—that of course he would never have condoned or, or would have done in a million years. And it's wrong for me to say, but but when you look at it, it, it what it is is okay. So everything's a movie. Well, let me give you a movie you didn't script right back at you. It's as if. There's a bunch of of screenwriters sitting under the desert somewhere in a compound who are better than all the top script writers in in Hollywood and can deliver a real life action movie. And and that can talk to us in a much deeper way than other things because we see it all the time. You know, we, we spend our lives seeing these as action movies. Oh my God, it's a real live action movie. That was for so many people, I think, a real lasting horror and impression of what happened in 9-11 it, when they retell the story to themselves of how they found out about it, what it was experienced. Like, it, you know, everyone said it's like a disaster film come come true. It was a hyper-real event. So it seems, it, it looks like perhaps it could have been very brilliantly plotted by people who were very high up in theory wars, in ideological war. You know, there is such a thing, I think, as ideological war.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think there is? Um. Yes, I do think there is such a thing as uh, information war or an ideological war. I'm just thinking about all the things you just said. And um, uh, so I remember having the feeling when I was in my early 30s, like around the time of of 9-11, you know, the Mm -hmm. protest, when I was uh, protesting the wars, um, that Americans, um experienced the catastrophe that was contemporary life as something that was at a remove that we we saw it on television but we didn't we didn't very often directly uh intervene in our lives that mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't feel it um didn't walk in our door and slap us on the face but it did get beamed into our te- television sets and that uh one of the um and and then I, in 2020, the televisional event became a real event for everyone in the world with the pandemic. So um, and the ecological crisis around that same time also became a real event in my life because um, of the forest fires that were so that were raging and that we were so close to portland that our okay. air was thick with smoke for weeks at a time um or <clears throat> but I, before then i had read books about the kinds of people that i uh, identify with the privileged pampered westerners who get to watch the catastrophes at one remove on television but don't experience it directly uh i read um, white noise which is a movie that had just come out um and that was uh the story of a family who was used to thinking about the world and its catastrophes and with ironic distance he was the um professor of hitler studies and treated hitler as a celebrity um but then this toxic airborne event occurs and it and he is directly traumatized by it he actually you know breathes in the toxic air and doesn't know if he's gonna uh live and Uh, or die, or when he'll die after that, and he discovers that his wife has been taking medication so she won't remember that she's going to die one day to suppress her fear of death. If you imagine that America are all like I was, and like the characters in White Noise were, um, experiencing life at this distance and, and through the spectacle, I can imagine that the terrorists could, if if they were thinking like that, if they were thinking like Don DeLillo and Bolliard, I can imagine them destroying the World Trade Center in an effort to uh, break that screen and force the people of New York to experiencing the catastrophe of of modernity more directly and in a way that would be doubly traumatic because... It was so close to the kinds of images that they had been creating in movies like Independence Day and mm-hmm,
1: so forth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, isn't it interesting that you, we all we keep referencing how before before these things happened, you experienced them by watching TV shows about them or reading books about them. Again, that we we can only frame our understanding of how things are by by referring to books and movies that have pre created this for us or, Post-created for us. It's very interesting. He mm-hmm. he writes something very interesting. Baudrillard. He's got. A, he gave a talk once called "The Evil D- Demon of Images," which is a good title. Um, and he says in it that um, Apocalypse Now, the movie, is is an attempt for America to win the war. That that it's now impossible for us to imagine the war in Vietnam, except once you've seen that film, and even if you haven't, you've seen a million takeoffs of it. So our understanding of, of Vietnam is entirely done through the lens of apocalypse now and then the very fact he says what a bizarre thing that they would go to the Philippines they would recreate a war you know what is it if you looked at this like an alien come down from space like what are these people doing they're reenacting this and it's not just purely to 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 make a film or whatever and also the style of it very bombastic all that Wagner all those helicopters again is hyper real but in in, be, in being the civilization who was able to make that movie, even though it pretends to be a movie, he would say that it pretends um, that is against the war effort. In fact, it just promotes the supremacy of America because it's only America who can make it after the fact. And, and the act of making it, putting it onto it means you own it. And it means that we can see that we've sort of forgotten the failure of the Vietnam War because we can remember the high art achievement of Apocalypse Now that was made out of it. And we still, we have to, Reference things always in terms of media because, you know, that that would fully seem to me to to prove the point that that that's you know as much as our wages, who owns the factories? That's what's running through our blood at the moment and affects what we
2: do. In my opinion, cinema is the most potent. uh, I I don't choose to use the word weapon, but the most potent force. In modern times, especially when you begin to consider that cinema, as we know it, is going to radically change. And we must realize that the world cinema is going to be, whether you argue and say no, it'll be five years or it will be three years, it will be electronic. It will be electronic, it will be digital, it will bounce off satellites, and it will create the dreams and hallucinations of of the future of the world. Perhaps what the film cries for the most is is some sort of, notion of intelligence to govern us to be governed by what I said before intelligence creativity and friendliness to let that be our guiding light so that we can walk the tightrope between the primitive man which is in us and the godly man if you're familiar at all with uh, not to bring up the names of philosophers because I know you know regular movie goes going seeing this but this was the whole issue of a Frederick Nietzsche who wanted to understand what was good and what was bad where did we get these ideas Because we are really in a jungle, I mean, uh, human beings. This film just presents a very extreme case, but in a sense it's a sacrificial thing because I wanted to kill Kurtz for America. I wanted America to look at the face of it, to look at the face of the horror, and to accept it and say, yes, it is my face. And only then could they go beyond to some new age. I mean, let's face it, we're talking about a new age in this world.
0: Before there was uh, apocalypse, now there were the World War Two movies about a war that we supposedly won.
1: Exactly, right? you won that war, so it's not it's not the same thing as,
0: as as
1: getting over your defeat by being able to make make
0: things make make art like. The United States lost the war in Vietnam in the same way that we lost the war in Afghanistan. We tried to occupy and control another country and we're not a lot and not we're not able to in that form. But in and the end, Vietnam was integrated into the international global capitalist order thoroughly. Is there and... a
1: tinge of pride in your voice when you just said that to me, Doug? <laughs>
2: I
0: I am opposed to the war in Vietnam. I uh, I was not around for its beginning. I was an infant and toddler when it was raging, but I am not proud at all of the American uh, war and invasion of Vietnam.
1: And are you Um, proud of Vietnam's inclusion in the international capitalist order? And are you proud of Apocalypse Now?
0: I am proud of Apocalypse Now. Uh, uh, I am I mean yeah. or I would be if I could feel like I had some part in it which I don't but um but I think it's good work of art and 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 uh but I am not um but to 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 make a film about a war that you've lost uh is not is not uniquely American either Godzilla is about it's never, I'm not
1: saying it's uniquely American. I'm, I'm not saying any of this is uniquely American. I'm saying, right. I'm saying, with technology, are uh, sometimes dark impulses to be narcissistic, to redo the past that was inconvenient for us, um, to basically have magic powers that we may have spent millennia dreaming about. Suddenly, it's not quite that the magic can come true. Because it can't happen in the so-called real world, but it can happen in the virtual world, and that virtual world can become more important than the real world, even if we know that it doesn't exist.
0: You know, Adorno said there can be no poetry after Auschwitz, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, what he meant was that uh, uh, that it it was Auschwitz was such a an aberration and a, and such a trauma that we cannot bring it into our culture and represent it that it can that that's we, and in fact that and not, and also beyond that maybe that, that it disrupted it indicted western culture or the culture that would produce poetry um so thoroughly that to even attempt to write any kind of poetry after Auschwitz was uh morally repugnant at least that's how He's often thought to uh, yes. what he's often thought to have been expressing. I think that there are other interpretations which are probably more accurate. But uh, I would say that if you to to reject the straw man version of Adorno that I just presented, I would say that in fact, unless we uh, humanity gets completely wiped out, uh, we're always going to be taking up the past and reinterpreting it and, and turning it into a fantasy and incorporating it into our culture. And uh, so we
1: the, are, we I th- would say that we are. If I'm, I would mm-hmm. say a couple of things. The first thing I would say is um, Auschwitz is not the same thing as the loss of the war in Vietnam. And in fact, Baudrillard writes well about Auschwitz or about concentration camps and what happened there. What he says is that they are the first event of the obscene world. And we talked before about what is meant by obscenity in Baudrillard, it doesn't mean pornography. It means the obscenity of wanting to bring up all the facts. For him, the obscene world is the one that wants to, to deal with everything scientifically in a data-driven way, in an emotionless, in a cold way. So sure, there've been atrocities and horror in the past, but what he would say would distinguish what happened in um, concentration camps in the Second World War is an industrialized process, utterly dispassionate, was applied to killing people. It wasn't the same thing, and those camps are distinct again from the process of, you know, the innumerable ways, awful ways that people were killed, shot in forests in more disorganized ways, but to have factories of death, to have administrators of them, to treat the people as entirely subhuman, that that seemed a departure and 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 that is a true obscenity uh a data-driven model of death absolutely awful what baudrillard perhaps um in Porte says is in fact we are the inheritors of that culture and what we deal with everything in that way even though we are not nazis and we're not killing people in that way nevertheless that's our mental attitude now towards everything and um, that is different from something like um, Apocalypse Now, or the war in Vietnam, which were not industrialized mass killing. They were industrialized mass killing events, but you understand what I mean. It wasn't the taking out of the place that they live, transporting, putting into the chamber and murdering process. It was less
0: cold, basically. So um, no, I mean, but let me just say one thing about that. And then, because the point, I think that there's no, I don't want in any way question um, the uniqueness uh, of, of the Holocaust or try to get into a conversation where we're trying to compare the horrors of one atrocious thing and another, or one obscenity or another. But I, what I do think we should, could say is that the development of terror and of the bombing of civilians as a practice in war was at least a step down the road towards a complete dehumanization and, and, the, uh, and the cold calculating uh, approach, data-driven approach to war? And yeah, to having said life, that,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm remembering something I read in medieval history. I can't remember when it happened in Bulgaria. Um, I feel in the time of the Byzantine Empire, where a, a, an army was entirely vanquished and every, every all, all the soldiers were blinded, except every 50th soldier was retained one eye so that they could lead this blind army back to their um, home, back to Bulgaria, teach them not to mess with the Byzantine Empire.
0: So that... that... Right. <clears throat> no, it's horribly cruel, but it's done to soldiers... And and there's a military purpose of blinding your enemy's army. Well, uh, but they, whereas, but the whereas, enemies, imagine they'd gone in go back. And, and didn't.
2: But imagine they didn't, if they'd
0: gone around the army and just started slaughtering. They didn't. Okay, uh, but they didn't kill all of them. They didn't kill
1: them. They blinded them, and they allowed them to have. Ooh, to to be guided the point was they wanted them to go back to their homes so it could be seen but i agree it was soldiers it wasn't the same thing as doing it the population and also they've been traditionally there's been a lot more honor about fighting there's been a lot of more notions about what is a just war what is honorable behavior what is dishonorable behavior i think um, something that that uh, baudrillard definitely says and 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 plenty of people would agree with him is that we live in a dishonorable entirely dishonorable time you know everything everything that was a, a, a an honorable place or a boundary because you can't have honor without boundaries because honor presupposes a set of arrangements that are about discrete groups of people one thing that Baudrillard says is that we live in a time of moustasis, of a cancerous, everything, you know, porn becomes everything, everything becomes everything. There's no, we, we work night and day, There's everything is amorphous. The place of discreteness is gone. So it's incredibly dishonorable where we live. And part of the dishonor of that is turning very blithely so many different people, entrepreneurs of terrorism, all doing things in their own way because there's no native sense of anybody you know, of there being these people, it's appropriate to do it to, And these people, it's not, again, because we're all, all of these people, if you see what I mean.
0: Behind the hypnotic grimace of official pacification, there's a war being waged. A war that can no longer merely be called economic, social, or humanitarian. It has become total. Paradoxically, it is the total nature of this war. Total in its means, no less than its ends that has allowed it to remain invisible. Listen, the young girl is obviously not a gendered concept. A hip hop nightclub player is no less a young girl than a tarted up porn star. The resplendent corporate advertising retiree is no less a young girl than the urban single woman too obsessed with her consulting career to notice she's lost 15 years of her life to it. In reality, the young girl is simply the model citizen as redefined by consumer society since World War One, as such, the young girl is a polar figure, orienting rather than dominating outcomes. Well, this is something that um, I also noticed in Fatal Strategies, which is the way in which he calls the uh, uh, the what you just described the um, the way responsibility for society is democratically. Distributed to all, and therefore every individual is responsible for everything. Yes. There's a exactly. kind of terrorism. Exactly. Um, and as and I thought to myself, that's only in those kinds of conditions where um the mass of society is considered to be responsible for uh the society itself that you could get the kind of terrorism that arose in World War II, where you're bombing cities in order to demoralize the masses in an act of, in order to win a war. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you were to kill, I mean, you might burn the crops in a previous period in order to starve the army, but you didn't require a massive continual production to maintain a highly technological war effort. Uh, mm-hmm. In those days, you 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 had your weapons, you had your soldiers, you had your boats. Um, you weren't just you weren't gearing up. I mean, in, in this massive industrial way for a war that would be won based not just on the weapons on hand, but based on the productive capacity of the nation fighting. So you had so. It was, it was in fact, this goes back to the quote. Um, which is that uh, when, when you think about the hostage or, the, or an act of terror, when you think of a hostage who's um, entirely alienated, even from the terms of exchange, that's not right. Because alienation is built into exchange, okay? And so it's, it's this, but, all, but the hostage, uh, the attempt, to, the taking of the hostage, the act of terror, is aimed at disrupting the production that's based on exchange, not apart from it. So it's it, well, even well, as we... it's trying to negate it, it is connected to it, which is why it's important to think dialectically. All right. There, I had my little, I did my little <laughs> Um, y- y-
1: Yes, 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 Professor Lane. Yes, yes, yes. But nevertheless, also no. Um which is why it's important to think dialectically (laughs) Dialectically. (laughs) Um, which is but you know the you know what if the means you know what about the means of virtual production what about what about not I'm not talking about people who work at Facebook but I'm talking about what about you know the, the reels I make for myself that win me vast followers who don't pay me any money, but give me a fantasy
0: version where I'm a superstar. So you, you are we, talking about Facebook then, if you're talking about Reels, right? I mean, it's not on Facebook? Or, uh, all right, but what, what I'm saying, I'm
1: not, I'm not talking about actually being a worker in Facebook. I'm not talking about being Mark Zuckerberg or his lieutenants. I'm not talking about people who are actually building the platform, which is work in the traditional mm-hmm. sense that you are talking about. I'm talking about the other the other work that comes off it not I'm, I'm i'm saying working on facebook but not working as a programmer on facebook or doing the marketing or whatever i'm saying all the rest of us who do all our work on facebook you know you do lots of work on facebook i i i, I see you do it all the time there you know what, what Perhaps that gives you more satisfaction than other work that you do. You're not really paid for it, you know. What, these these amorphous places that this analysis that you bring with your your, your 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 terms and we all understand them, highly developed over many hundreds of years. They are useful tools. <laughs> they are useful ways. I'm not quite work. that. I'm not,
0: I'm not that old, you know. I'm. I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not attempting
1: to um, <laughs> to to denigrate or patronize you. here. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying they're useful things, but I'm saying that, that it, to look to have the kind of smug look. At the end, it says, you see, it all gets back to this. It, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't. For me, it doesn't. It's, it's, a, it's a lot more complicated than that. I mean, I, what I think about Baudrillard is, is sometimes I think he's very conservative. In his book, Seduction, he says, he says we should go back to older values. The values that he thinks that we should go back to are honor, valor, wit, and seduction. He thinks those are the things to live by forget equality or being a good person or being kind to your neighbor he said if 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 we live by those which are chivalric actually values um you know medieval knights jousting about that's what those values are honor valor wit and seduction they're very amoral in many ways some of them um but you know to, to me that that's a more fruitful area of debate about him which is like is he action to forget new feudal Is that what he wants to go back to? Does he believe in aristocracy? Does he is that is is he kind of Nietzschean in that way? That seems to me a, a more fruitful. I don't want to furnish you with with weapons against my my friend. Bodhi. No, no,
0: I don't. I I mean, I who would? I mean, I guess some would be daring enough to say that they are opposed to honor and wit and seduction, and what was the other one? Valor. Uh, valor. Um, I want to use the say virtue instead of value
1: no don't use the word virtue that's that's absolutely not that's he's not interested in virtue in fact he's not interested in anything he says we must mistrust anything that wants to help us he really thinks anything words like anything that's do-gooding is polluted you know that the do not say if you're doing good never say that you're doing good always say you're doing seduction or something that is dodgy. Do do, do not say that you're, you know, the, the, he says we all, we, and by this he means the general masses of people, recoil. We all have, he says that the masses of people are denigrated often, but we should understand they have very refined taste indeed, and they absolutely are incredibly snobbish. And what will make them turn their back and, and recoil utmost most is is hollow hollow notions of virtue, you know? virtue signaling or anything that says i'm good anything anything that does any of that is repulsive to the vast realm of people it is true so no you don't say virtue valor valor bravery being brave honor having honor which means sticking to a set of principles for yourself because they're good ways to live, not because they give you any benefit or are justified or have been scientifically proven to be the correct way. Just because you have decided those things chime to you and that's how you would like to live your life, whether or not it serves you good in the end. So honor, valor, wit, you know, Understanding that—that's the joy of life, right? It's not the joy of life is not proving your point, but it is an, in another. Don't phase. tell
0: me that not proving <laughs> the point of
1: my point not the joy
0: of life. He says it is. It is. Okay, no, I enjoy that,
1: says, but I want to my prove idea, my point
0: with wit in a seductive way and with valor. Well, um,
1: he, what he says with wit, what he says about seduction, what he says generally about relationships, closer relationships between people. He says, forget about what you might want, Doug, the sublating cuddle. He says, those things are much better played as duels. They're much better played as, you know, so which, which again makes me feel that he does actually in the end believe in dialectics. But he says, the joy is, is exactly that. The joy, he says, you know, wit and seduction are the same thing. It's about, well, you say this, well, I say this, well, you say this, well, I say this, well, you say this. And he says, you know, the, the, the art of it is never dropping the ball, you know? is that, that's a good dating tip for you. As soon as you've dropped the ball and said, oh, I fancy you, then then, then then it's over. You know, there's only one place that the ball is dropped. And that is the place where it has to be dropped because the physicality of your body requires it. So that's what he says. You should play it up to the nth degree, basically.
0: Well, like, yeah, there's a, I think you should, by the time that penetration occurs you should be able to say i fancy you at the same moment no um, you're so
1: wrong you're so wrong it's not at the point of penetration Ugh, so crass what it's not at the point <laughs> of penetration you should still be denying it during the penetration it's only when you come then then it's uh,
0: oh okay well for me those are not so far apart in time but the, <laughs> <laughs> so the point the point is that uh no, the, 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 the point is to go back to the text and to yes retreat. to go back to the text. I feel it's
1: safer uh, to go back to the text. Uh,
0: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um what I would want to say is that liberty is not a, a value that is about the same as equality. And it's not um and so freedom and liberty are terms that I would want to put alongside
1: yes, but they're not uh, personal ways you can live. You know, you can't live you know, it says if you think about what should you do, how should you go about yourself? His advice is you should have valor, courage. You should have honor. You can't say you should have liberty. Because that's beyond your control. You should have the desire for liberty. But it's not that you, you can't. You know, these are things you can organize amongst inside your own body. You can make yourself have valor, have honor have wit and and have some seduction. Yes, you can, but whether or not you can have freedom, you can have freedom inside yourself, but whether or not you can have actual freedom is, is beyond your control. But yet, if everybody b- lived according to honor, valor, wit, seduction, then it's, we would be it's living It's possible that
0: maybe. Look, I feel it's always a dangerous game to pick out a, a, a grouping of words and say, if we only did these things, then all would be well, well. I you, and well, Okay,
1: I'll tell you what he really says. What he actually says, I I agree with you, but I've I've forgotten the really good one and I've got to tell it to you. He says Mm -hmm. that um, the reason people worship sun, the sun in the past, and we should all worship the sun, he says, Mm -hmm. uh, because what it does is it burns out. What it's doing is burning out all of its fuel in a tremendous act of defiance. We should all use the sun as the model. We didn't ask to be born. And instead of conserving our energies and trying to be safe, what we should do is have the model of the sun. We should just burn out, until until you die, to, 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 to live it to the max. So as pop stars do, perhaps that's why we like pop stars. They're doing it, you know, people who are living on the edge, larger than life personalities, they're living like the sun. They're not conserving anything. They're just saying, I didn't ask to be born in this, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. You know, it's the, the Keith Richards effects that we could call it.
0: The live fast, die young, leave a good well, looking corpse approach to life.
1: Well, in, in its most superficial and hyper-realized way, Doug, yes. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what it really means is do not be restrained by thinking I can't, the society isn't, I'm in prison, there's nothing or there's no future. It just means fuck it is what it means. Mm-hmm. Express mm-hmm. express with your full capability so you can live in correctional
0: facility. Well, I have another question that's from the text. And, and do you remember when he says, when he mentioned that the Pope wanted to rep- to offer himself up as an alternative hostage. And, and, and uh, I don't remember the particular example that he was using a true historical example. And he mentioned that the Pope was unable to offer himself up as an alternative hostage to the random uh, anonymous uh, person who had been taken hostage. But I think it was, um, may have been the Red Brigade. But mm-hmm. uh, uh but there was a reason why the Pope couldn't do that and I uh, and th- th- that he described, and I think I understood um, or I- inferred from what he what he wrote. And the reason why was that, um, if the Pope were able to step in and and sacrifice himself and become a hostage instead of the anonymous person, that would demonstrate authority's power, to protect and to control the terms of the act of terror or the hostage shaking or the...
1: Was it the Pope or, or was or, it was it not the leader of the Social Democrats in Italy? I don't think it was the Pope. I think it was a political leader.
0: Let me look. It's it for the purpose of making amends and putting a stop to the scandal of accidental death that the great systems of terror have been set up. That is, programs for the prevention of accidental death by systematic and organized death. That is our mon- monstrously, logical, monstrously logical situation. The death systems put an end to the death as an accident. And it is that logic that terrorism tries desperately to disrupt by replacing systematic death, institutionalized terror, with elective logic, that of the hostage. The Pope, by offering some, himself up as a substitute victim for the hostages, seeks to replace anonymous terror with an elective death, the sacrifice similar to the Christ-like model of universal redemption. But this offer is a parody without intending to be, for it puts forth a solution and a model that are altogether inconceivable in our present systems, whose provenance is not sacrifice, but extermination. Not the elected victim, but spectacular anonymity. Even the sacrifice of terrorists trying to resolve the situation by their own death has nothing expiatory about it. Uh, It raises for only an instant the veil of anonymous terror. Well, I guess what I, as I read um, Bodiar, what I kept thinking was that, you know, the terms and the conditions of possibility for his critique, all the terms that he uses and the ways in which he thinks about the world, all hinge upon a certain form of freedom, which is, has emerged in modernity, It's basically starts as property rights with uh, individuals owning the right, their, their own property, which is their bodies, which they can Use as they wish to find work, and sell, or rent out, and that uh, that and that even terror relies upon a certain kind of equality and freedom to be operative. Um, another thing that occurred to me as we were talking is that that my fear and and hatred for the big, massive technocratic censorship apparatus demonstrates again that the the that. Uh, that the conditions of modernity influence and inform my my thinking because of course in a pre-literate society before the printing press this idea that there could that the powerful would need to censor the masses would never arise like i definitely lean towards you know this character of baudrillard who wants to privilege wit over equality, like I mm-hmm. th- definitely, I think that that rings true to me. Maybe, the, um, but when I think about things philosophically and politically, I tend to uh, want to return to the question of freedom and equality and, well, but- and, <laughs> and 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 the terror of mass responsibility okay but what you know
1: freedom what is this freedom that we're all talking about it's freedom to live a good life and what it seems to me what he's reminding what he's reminded me a lot is is that that, that a lot of the that is about play and it's a paradox that if you're going to be highly logical reasonable playful things are silly and foolish and will interrupt what you're doing but yet th- that's where your thought is leading to that we can all enjoy play We can all play with each other. We can all have fun in the world. And he doesn't deny that impulse. And that comes through in his work. And that's very attractive.
0: Yeah, but the idea that we could all play together, um, you know, uh, it's built upon the idea. uh, It's uh, built on top of the idea that we're free to choose what we want to do practically with ourselves rather than. Be, but rather than we were born a priest in, or into the priestly class, so we'll yes, remain in the priestly class.
1: Yet, you know, things are not so very set, and and it is also true that 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 you can be unfree and still play, and in fact, that can be your solace.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just I feel I'm tired of seeking solace. I I'd like to to seek a, a power.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> but that seems a good place to end our chat. <laughs> okay. All
0: right. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons help to make sure that Sublation Media can continue to provide interviews, videos, books, and articles that are critical of the left from the left. If you are tired of remaining stuck within bourgeois ideologies and politics, help us sublate them both.